Love. Love. Lust. Lust. And that also. to another great episode of Love, Lust, and Badass Soul. Um, we are doing another round of interviews with couples who are in the BDSM Dom Sub Lifestyle. Unfortunately, CJ is not joining us tonight because he had some um, prior co- commitments. So I'm rolling solo, which I'm excited and happy to do. And we have a special special guest with us tonight. Um, if you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm BS. And I'm LS. Okay, fantastic. It is such a pleasure to have both of you on. Uh, we've done one episode with a couple that lives in the lifestyle as well. Day to day, I know your situation is a little bit different in terms of you not uh, living it 24-7 with each other, but it's something that you're very much engaged in as a unit. So I'm really excited to do this interview with you guys and have this conversation and, uh, you know, just see where things go and where they unfold. So I want to start off by asking you, what is the specific high hierarchy of your relationship and how long have you both been engaging in the lifestyle i've been in for about two years hierarchical wise um the dumb sub daddy dumb like b girl type situation okay so you're the dom in the relationship yes okay um i've been in the lifestyle of going on five years about five years and i'm the submissive in the relationship Okay. So prior to the relationship that you currently have, were you engaged uh, in other dom-sub relationships with other people? I, I know, LS, you're saying that you've been in it for uh, five years. Yeah. Um, so within that time frame, for both of you respectively, had you engaged with other others before you came together to be the unit that you are now? Um, I have had play partners in the lifestyle, um, dated a little bit but never um i was never in a relationship or dynamic in the lifestyle before now okay one previous partner within the lifestyle a previous dom sub relationship you've had one previous dom sub relationship yes one previous prior to started this one okay so in in terms of that relationship how does this this relationship that you're in now differ from that (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-oh I feel like I should take the question back. Is that uh oh? Everything's different. Yeah, there's a lot more maturity on my side, a lot more clarity, a lot more understanding of what this type of relationship means. Okay, that's fair. Better communication. Okay. Okay. And I think it it helps that I've been in the lifestyle longer, um, because I think I'm better able to communicate a lot of things that I want and need. Yes. Okay. So in terms of, um, training, like submissive training, um, is, is that something that like LS for you, because you've been in the lifestyle a little bit longer, is that something that you helped guide him with or BS? Was that something that you just totally took control of and gave direction yourself? It grows from within the relationship. It's things that I need and I just articulate those things and there's things that I can tell that she needs when we communicate around those, but there's not really like training. Like I need you to do this, this specific way. Yeah. And we, um, we're both, we met like through the lifestyle. So we both knew each other. We're kinky and into power exchange, but our relationship, um, started off as more of just a boyfriend, girlfriend, getting to know each other, getting to know each other's needs before we made the decision to be in a dynamic. So a lot of it is just, I know what my boyfriend needed um, and that I was happy to do. And now as his submissive, I don't need to be asked to do those things. I just do them. Okay. So then your relationship is not like you meet once a week and engage. Your relationship is 24 seven. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Um, is that very different than other um, boyfriend, girlfriend, or partner relationships that you've engaged in in the past? Um, for We have very different relationship histories. For me, um, 
it's definitely more intense than any other relationships I've had in any way. Um, you know, you have the sort of romantic aspect of the relationship, but then you put the power exchange on top of it and it just amplifies everything else. Um, I also actually haven't had a lot of long-term boyfriends in the past either. I've dated around, but kind of casually. So this is more serious in general, but then it's also a power exchange. So, um, it does make it like everything's a little bit more intentional um, and direct, I guess. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. It makes sense. It makes yeah. complete sense. From my side, it's definitely more, mm-hmm. a bigger responsibility. I definitely have more ownership of like her day to day and like check-ins and things that we have, like protocols that we have, I have to follow up on. And like, if this was a traditional, like vanilla relationship, I wouldn't really care. Or like, I wouldn't say I wouldn't care, but I wouldn't have as much vested interest. And in, is she doing these specific tasks every day? Right. Okay. So then what, what do you find? Sorry. I didn't know if you were going to say something else. If I cut you off, I apologize. No, you're okay. <laughs> okay. So what do you, what would you say are the biggest challenges of your relationships in the specific roles of daddy dom and sub or yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of challenges. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine about this yesterday, actually. And I am somewhat of like an alpha female archetype in a lot of ways. Um, which for me is part of the reason I was drawn to BDSM is that I knew if I was going to have a partner, they'd have to be someone who could hold their own. And so I enjoy submitting. Um, and it's something that gives me joy and fulfills me, but in a lot of ways it's against my nature. So there's definitely a constant inner battle of just letting go and letting him lead and not necessarily asking all the questions that I want to ask, even though I still ask a lot of questions, but <laughs> okay. that I want. Um, or, you know, just, I don't, it, I mean, it, it's, it's a relationship zone. It's hard. Like some, I mean, one of the struggles we both have that we laugh about is we're both trying so hard to make the other one happy that sometimes we like pass each other and we end up on other sides of the situation. Like even something as simple as I want to make him dinner. And I think he really liked, yeah, the other night I thought he really liked this food. So I was like, how would you like this for dinner? And he thought that's what I wanted for dinner. So he's like, okay, it's fine. But he didn't actually like it. I didn't like it. I thought he liked it. So I'm cooking it. I'm stressed. I'm like, this is taking so long. He gets home or he gets to my place and he's like, oh, I mean, it's cool. Like, thanks for making dinner. But like, I didn't need this. Like, I would have been fine with some grilled chicken. I'm like, wow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and that happens a lot, <laughs> like a lot, because we're both, you know, invested in each other's happiness. And sometimes just in the day to day and trying to get things done, you don't communicate the little details like, oh, do you want extra ketchup or whatever? And then like, I end up giving him all the extra ketchup and I don't have any ketchup and he didn't even want ketchup. So <laughs> okay. it's, it's, this is a silly problem, but it's real. But it, it absolutely is real. It's, it's, it's finding that, um, that balance as well, right? It's, it's not just, uh, cause I think, you know, even in a previous discussion, CJ and I were having with another couple that we had spoken with, you know, people, I think a lot of people on the outside of lifestyle relationships are under this impression that it's, it's, um, on the part of the, the submissive, it's all give, no take. And on the part of the dom, it's all take, no give when really and truly it's not like you, you develop and form these love bonds and these relationship ties with one another. And at the end of the day, um, the ultimate goal is the happiness of the other person and, and investing in that and doing whatever it is that you humanly possibly can do to succeed in making that person happy and making sure that all their needs are met. Exactly. I think one of our sayings is she serves me, but I serve the dynamic. So I have to make sure that we're both whole, we're both happy, we're both, like, both our needs are being met and not just take, take, take without like filling the cup. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So then you both were initially interested in the lifestyle. So I guess neither one of you introduced it to the other. This was something that you both respectively had enjoyed previous to meeting one another. Yeah, we met within the lifestyle. Okay. So uh, like respectively to each one of you, how did you get into the lifestyle? How were you introduced to it? Um, I was in a previous relationship and we were looking to like spice things up and get a little more kinky. And she mentioned the website and it turned me on to like exploring like what a dom sub relationship would look like. And then she and I entered like a power exchange. 
And for me, um, it was just something that I had been interested in for a while. So I just Googled it. Um, like, how does one find a power exchange or BDSM relationship is probably what I looked for. Um, and I found FetLife. I made a profile. Um, I, I want to say, like, maybe three weeks after I made my profile, there happened to be a munch, which is a meeting of kinky people to get to know each other for young people of color in the lifestyle in my neighborhood. And I was like, oh, this is perfect because I was already <laughs> worried it was going to be a whole bunch of white people. And, and, right. Um, yeah. So it was like the timing worked out perfectly. And I was like, well, I'll go to this. And that that munch ended up being one of their most packed munches. So I met like 30 people that night. Oh, wow. Many of whom, yeah, many of whom I'm still like in regular, regular contact with, a handful of whom I consider good friends now. Um, and that was just like a really good gateway. Um, you know, they told me about other events, kept in contact, you know, we would message each other online just to be able to talk. And, you know, I was able to find a kinky community um, pretty early. So I was able to just meet people and explore through that. Nice. Okay. Um, so moving on, um, Alice, I know that you said that you have more of a, an alpha female type personality. Um, are there switch opportunities within the dynamic of your relationship? You're not. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> I like that you answered that one so quickly. You're like, yeah, no. <laughs> um, so you mean like, when you say within our dynamic, what do you mean? So you being the submissive, is there ever opportunity for you to take more of a dominant role? Like, no. Okay. I never, I never run things. Um, from time to time, I might be the top in a scene. Um, if we want to try a particular kink. And I mean, it's like, so that's something that I struggle with because like, I never run things. I'm never the dominant in this relationship. I don't want to be, but if there's like some kinky thing we want to do and I'm administering it, I'm technically the top, but I don't feel like I am. Like a lot of people look at like massaging as a topping activity because you are doing something for this person. But when I give daddy a massage, that's service that I'm doing for him. Yes. Um, so there are a couple other kinks that like I want to try out on him, but I never feel like I'm the top. Like if we're seeing and he's topping me, for the most part, he decides when it ends. You know, if I'm like in too much pain or too tired, I'll let him know, like, hey, I'm not feeling too good or whatever. But he decides where it ends. If we're sinning and I'm topping, he could just like cough and be like, yeah, we're done. And then we're done because he's still in charge, even right. though I'm the like, you know, the initiator or whatever at the time. Okay. Hello and welcome to Toy Talk with Erotic Boudoir. I'm Nick, your personal sex toy sensei, here to help you prioritize your pleasure. This week's toy is the Satisfier One, relaxation at the touch of a button. This stylish next generation clitoral vibrator scores big points with its classy rose gold color. And when it comes to feminine stimulation, it's an absolute champion. The delicate silicone head encloses your clitoris, ensuring relaxation even after the most stressful day. It has 11 pressure wave settings made from skin-friendly silicone and completely waterproof for easy cleaning. It's $49.99, and if you use discount code LLBAS, you'll receive 10% off your entire purchase. Go to our website at www.touchingbodymindandsoul.com to get yours today. Remember, prioritize your pleasure with Erotic Boudoir. Um, so in terms of, uh, suggesting, um, scenes, do you, in your specific role, um, I don't know how to ask this question. So who, who decides ultimately on which scene you're going to engage in? All decisions are made by him. Okay. Today. Um, okay. I mean, you're suggesting. Yeah. And it's also like, we just are in alignment on so many things that it's not, as if he's like, well, we're doing this and I don't care what you say about blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. it be like, hey, it's Thursday. Make sure you lay out the floggers when I come over. Right. Okay? But it's not like I didn't want to get flogged. Flogging happens to be one of my favorite things. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He, he like makes the, the decisions. And like he said, if there's something I want to do, you know, I might drop a link and be like, hey, daddy, have you ever seen one of these? And 
he gets the message, um, you know, so he'll decide when it happens or whatever. Um, or yeah, I mean, we talk about things. We, we talk about like our kinky bucket list and wish lists often. Like, what are you into? What have you seen that we haven't tried yet? Stuff like that. Okay. So then in terms of, again, your, your specific roles within your relationship, um, so Ellis, what do you consider to be good character, sorry, uh, the required characteristics of a good dom? And then BS for you, what are the characteristics that are required for you for a good sub? Okay. Um, a good dom must be very mature, very, very, very level-headed. When you say level-headed, what do you mean level-headed? Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Just, you know, not quick to react to certain things. Um, Just having a good perspective. Honestly, a good memory. Um, Like, there's times I'll be having an issue, and he'd be like, well, remember three weeks ago you said blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, you're right, Dad. You're right. Like, let me chill. Um, So just, like, having a really good perspective on the whole trajectory of our dynamic and relationship um, you know, not quick to anger or quick to get upset because I recognize that I can do or say things like if I'm hurt and I say something out of anger, it won't serve us as a dynamic for him to react to that in anger. So often he'll just kind of slow down and like process through it and walk me even through what it is that I'm saying um, and just give me a better perspective on that. Um Honesty is a huge aspect of it. Caring, sensitive, perceptive, like he's very, very perceptive um, to my moods and how I'm feeling. You know, always, are you okay? How's, how's work? Is there something wrong? Because, um, you know, if I'm not communicating those things for whatever reason, it could go bad in a way. Like if I had a bad day at work, but I'm not talking about it, but we have planned like a whipping scene and he just goes ahead with the whipping scene, but I'm not in the headspace for it. That could be something that ends up, turns out really poorly for us, but he's always very sensitive. He's like, are you, are you good? Like, do you want to do this? I mean, there was a night we had a scene plan and then he was like, yeah, we're going to watch Netflix tonight. And I was like, okay, thank you, daddy. That sounds like a great idea. (laughs) Um, You know, and it's nice that I don't have to, because I don't want to make that decision because then I'm not the one making the decision, but whatever decisions he's making, he's always taking so much of me into account. So, yeah. That's a beautiful thing. It is. Um, (laughs) I guess for submissive, um, honesty, openness, clarity, strength. (laughs) You have to be so strong in order to like deal with the dominant and like know yourself and know what your limits are and how to be pushed and be be flexible enough to be pushed further than what you think your limits are. Okay. Compassion, willingness to learn, openness, patience, like as a submissive in this community, especially like as like the POC community is so small, um, there aren't a lot of like dominance around and it becomes like, I don't know, a lot of competition or like a lot of jealousy around own submissives. So like knowing that this relationship or whatever dynamic you're in is strong and substantial and not affected by the outside world when like there may be people in the outside world who wants to be in the inside world and knowing that like what you have is something like worth cherishing and worth working for and worth fighting through like that definitely like helps like the only submissives who are in like long-term dynamics they deal with that constantly and like that's something they work through and something like they've built up okay so is it fair to say then that um within the dynamics of your relationship that you both are teachers and students? Definitely. I learn from her all the time. Okay. LS? Yeah, I think, um, y- yes, for various reasons. Um, I've just been in the lifestyle longer. So I think that there's certain things that I've just dealt with or come across. Even certain people, I'd be like, Daddy, don't go near them. They're crazy. Um, <laughs> okay. Cause, because, like, there's no way he would know. But I'm like, I remember three years ago when, you know, da da da. But then also, you know, daddy's a bit older than me and has been in more long-term relationships. So I learned a ton about relationships from him. Yes. Um, but then also just a ton about like how, about myself really and how we deal with each other. A lot of, I learned a lot about myself through the way he reacts to me. Um, you know, like I do something that I think 
is mature. And then I realized I was actually being a little bit bratty just in his reactions. I'm like, oh, shit, like I need to calm down a little bit and like backtrack and, you know, reassess like how I act. Because when you're on your own for so long, you justify your actions because it works for you and it makes sense. But when you're in a partnership, you have to really um, slow down and like and and learn from that. And also, I mean, yeah, there's just so many different aspects in which we learn from each other. Like he's just way more sensual than me. Um, and especially in BDSM, I was way more into pain stuff before I met him, um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and so he's like kind of taught me to be softer in a lot of ways. Um, and I think he has learned some stuff about like kink and impact from me just based off stuff I've done that I'm like, Oh, I did this one thing three times, three years ago that I think you might be into. Um, and I'll just kind of open him up to certain things. An awesome demo bottom, like. Anything I want to practice or learn or pick up, I'm like, hey, like, I've seen this technique, like, I'm going to do this. And she's like, all right, cool, I'm open to it. And then, like, the feedback we have, like, oh, like, this worked, this didn't work, daddy, like, you hit me here, you should have been here, like, here feels better, like, it's definitely, like, good to have somebody who's been experienced and, like, know what works and what doesn't work. So do you do you have, um like, specific debriefing sessions after to... I mean, like, especially if it's something that new that you're you're trying, like, do you make a point of having a debriefing session after? We do. Usually, like, it's right after. I'm like, hey, how did this work for you? Or, like, a couple of days after, like, hey, like, what worked with this? What worked? What didn't work with that? Like, how did this feel? How did that feel? What could be better? What could be worse? What do you want more of? What do you want less of? Yeah, it also depends on the type of scene. Like, some scenes are really, like, clearly just practice. Like, um, he bought a whip, and it was, okay, you know, where are you hitting? So that wasn't as intense of a scene because it was just trying it out so i would literally be like oh no you hit me on my left oh wait you hit the same spot twice that and that hurts more when with the whip when you hit the same spot twice but then other scenes where it's like a more intense session and i'm really like you know falling into it and leaning into the pain and maybe might go nonverbal. then usually it'll be the next day or the day after it's like how'd you feel any major things you wanted to point out or anything like that and he's really really good about checking because i I don't want to say I forget, but it kind of like, because, <laughs> you know, when I, when we seen, I get so into my head and then I'm like in such a space and then you move on. So there's sometimes like I'll be at work. And he's like, oh, how was last night? I'm like, oh, shit, you did like beat my ass last night. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <it was good." laughs> right. But he's super diligent about, you know, checking in and stuff, which is great. Okay. Um, so in, in terms of, you know, discussing, um, scene play and, and pain thresholds and what have you, is there a difference between just rough sex with say bondage, um, you know, like, a, and a couple who maybe just plays in the lifestyle versus being an actual DS couple? Yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, I dated a little bit in the lifestyle and I definitely had, I would never say I was a couple, but I had play partners with whom we were, you know, we were probably good friends um, and we hung out a lot. We went to a lot of events and we played and had scenes, but weren't necessarily like a romantic couple, like involved with each other, like trying to, you know, spend significant amounts of time with each other and stuff like that. Um, then you have some people who only meet up at events, but they do so regularly enough that they they just know, okay, if I'm going to go somewhere, I know such and such is going to be there, and that's the person I'm going to play with. Right. But even, like, from my perspective, like, I'll have people who I consistently top, but it ends there. So, like, we'll have our scene, and we'll have aftercare, and then, like, okay, you're good, awesome. And then that's it. We might not speak day to day, or, like, I'm not checking in tomorrow and see, like, how did you, what did you eat today? How's work? Like, did you do the, send out these emails? Like, what are you cooking for dinner? Like, should I come over tonight? It's not that level of, like, relationship. So it's a little bit different than, like, play partners or like, somebody who just plays right. versus a lot of yes relationship. So another question that I have that kind of, it, uh, uh, Ellis, you had mentioned that um, BS is, is way more sensual than you were. So that's something that you've learned over the course of your relationship. Um, in, in terms of the scenes that you engage in with one another, are there ever just sensual scenes or are, do the scenes always involve um, a pain dynamic? Lots of sensual scenes. And they're fun. <laughs> yeah, there's more sensual scenes than, like, pain scenes, really. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, I mean... I guess sensual scenes are hard, too, because, like, sex is, like, a sensual scene, because we consider it a sensual scene. So we have way more sex than we do play. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I guess we don't really incorporate a ton of sensual BDSM into, like, our regular, regular, regular sex life. Like, 
Like when you say sensual scene, I think about a scene we did at a hotel. We were at an event and it was the night before the event. We were at a hotel and it was like I was blindfolded and I was tied down and he like massaged me and then used a vibrator on me and pushed my limits sexually. But there was no pain involved. So on a regular night, it's not like we're pulling out the vibrator. I mean, the blindfolds because we're just not like. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, Um, but we. Yeah, I guess it's a it's a balance. Yeah, there's still some aspects. There's still like orgasm control and like yeah. compression and like yeah. spankings and stuff. So yeah. there's some sensual stuff, but not a, like a, I wouldn't call it a scene though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then we do have those scenes where it's just like you know I'm tied up and it's more about sorry not might not be close enough. Um, we do have those scenes where it's I'm tied up and it's more about like sensualness and orgasms and stuff like that than um than pain. Okay. Uh, so the couple that we had talked to before, this, that's one of the things that came up um, uh, that she very much, I don't know that she said that she enjoyed it, but one of the things that they uh, practiced was withholding orgasms where you're not, a, for the sub, she's not allowed to orgasm until the dom says so, but she has to ask for prior permission. Is is that something that you've engaged in as well? Yeah, that's like my number one thing. Like, that's just in regular sex. Like, if we're having sex, she ha- like, that's part of our protocol, I guess. She just has to, has to ask. And that's new to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is, yeah, that's something we had to build up to, but that is very, very new to me and unique to this dynamic. So how long would you say it took you to master it? Uh, or are you still mastering it? No, I got it down pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I got it down pretty good. It, oh, man, um... Well, okay, master, I got good at it probably four or five months in. There were definitely, I remember one time where I was just like, look, <laughs> it's going to happen. Yes, because it's going to happen. So, I mean, that's rare. But he also does it on purpose. Like, he just won't say yes, and he knows what he's doing. And I was just like, yo, just say yes. Like, just say yes. It's so annoying. Um, so that happens more rarely now, but it has happened, like, in the past few months. Um, but he does it on purpose. I don't even really feel bad. <laughs> okay. So even when he's doing it on purpose, like after everything is said and done, do you look back and think to yourself like that was exceptionally pleasurable because it pushed me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, so in terms of choosing um, this, oh, sorry. So to BS, how do you choose between sexual kink pleasure versus task and discipline? Or is there a difference? There's definitely a, dis- a difference. Um, discipline doesn't really come up a lot. Like, she's a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, as far as discipline goes, I'm, ra- I'm way more, like, carrot and stick. I'd rather, like, reward you for doing good than, like, punish you for doing bad. So you don't use a lot of, like, discipline. I definitely don't believe in, like, corporal punishment. I'm not going to hit her. Once she's a masochist, so, like, spanking her for, like, doing something wrong isn't going to work because, like, she'll just do wrong things all the time. So, right, okay. <laughs> So, yeah. So, <laughs> so, like, sexual play is definitely, like, for sex, and then, like, punishment and discipline are definitely for discipline. Like, they don't cross over at all. Okay. So, on any given day, when you guys are not in the same space, and say there's maybe a couple of days where, um, for whatever reason, let's say one of you is away on, on business, um, do you ever give out tasks for her to do while you're apart? Um we don't spend a couple of days apart. That's not that's not my ministry. I can't. I would die. That's I'm saying okay. So let's say hypothetically, if <laughs> if if um, BS had to go away on business and he was gone for just say 24 hours, mm-hmm. would would there be tasks that are are given out in in his absence for you to complete? So there's still a protocol that she still has to like write in her journal daily. She still has to go to the gym and enter her full log. And like, there's things that we have in place that's supposed to happen day to day, regardless if I'm here or not. Okay. There's those things like throughout the relationship. Okay. So if I'm not here, then there's no extra things just to make sure that she's on track because I'm not here. We just have things that we do every day. So those things have to happen. So it's just part of your, it's part of your routine and just part of your natural relationship. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Um, do you either of you have a favorite kink? Well, sure. Like uh, orgasm control is mine for sure. How did okay? So how did you determine out of all the kinks that orgasm control? Good question. Is it? right. Is 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 your is your favorite one? Like how did you say? You know what? Of all the kinks that are out there, of all the kinks that I've tried, this one is my favorite, and this is the one that I'm. This is going to be my go-to. It's because power exchange is like my favorite type of play. Like I don't want to play with power exchange. 
And if there's orgasm control, like I have so much power over your orgasm that is being in play throughout the whole scene. Right. And it's more sensual than, like, say, flogging or spanking or being hit with a whip or whatever. So it just, like, speaks to me. And, like, I like to make people come or, like, not come or, like, you know, see how long they can take it. So it's a good balance. So you're you're a sadist to some degree. Yes. (laughs) That answer came very quickly, too. (laughs) Yes. And he lied to me and told me he was not a sadist. I didn't say I wasn't a sadist. You did. I said I was. I I am a pacifist. How am I supposed to know that you were a sadist? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that definitely falls on the side of sadism. Like, that's, yeah, that's not pacifist at all. I can torture you without, like, violence. So, like, I don't have to use violence as an answer. I can just, like, orgasm control is not violent. That's what you think. But it's still a form of torture. Like, seriously, from, from a woman's perspective, especially when it's coming, yeah, that's that's yeah. definitely a form of torture. I, I, would have to, I would have to disagree with you on that one. Thank you. I feel <laughs> And, Ellis, what about you? Do you have a favorite kink? Um, before my daddy, it was definitely pain through impact. Explain uh-huh. that. Explain that one. Well, because there's different types of pain play, um, by like being hit, um, whether it's flogging. Flogging is like easy and it's a default and it's really safe. Like you can't really get injured with floggers. So when I was single and would just kind of play with not necessarily random people, it was usually like a friend or a friend of a friend or someone that I've seen play. It's just really easy to set up a flogging scene because I don't have to worry about am I going to like have cuts on my body or anything like that. So flogging was like my default impact play of choice. Um, But, you know, I was never into like needles or I don't know, anything stingy or cutting my, cutting me. So, so not that kind of pain. Um, so flogging others, other impact, there's this thing called a thumper that I really like. It's a really like heavy sort of hit. Um, so I liked that kind of pain because it was a measurable pain, but was safe. Right. Um, since I've been with daddy and AJ, you're going to get me in trouble because I don't like admitting these things out loud. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. Them more. Um, <laughs> like it's definitely become orgasm control but like only orgasm control with him because it pushes me in a different way than like pain like pain you can only go so much but like there'll be times where i'm like all right daddy that was number 11 i'm done he's like one more and i'm like jesus (laughs) (laughs) able to push myself more um and it does kind of get a little painful. So like my masochist is fed through that. And then also just knowing that he enjoys it so much, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. Okay. I, that question wasn't meant to get you in trouble, but I pre- appreciate you letting us, letting me in with that one. I appreciate it. No problem. Everything gets me in trouble. That's life with the sadist. Um, so how did you establish hard limits at the beginning of your relationship? And, um, LS, would you mind sharing some of your hard limits with us? And have you ever compromised your hard limits for him? Yeah, there's no such thing as hard limits. I, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. That's not a safe thing. That's really not a safe thing. So if anyone is listening and is new to BDSM, set your hard limits, set them liberally, um, and then work backwards from there. So one thing that I've always known through my BDSM journey is that limits change. Yes. Um, and I, you know, I said early in my journey, I don't really have a lot of hard limits and people gave me a lot of shit for that. And we're like, no, that's unsafe. You really need to set your limits. But for me, like, you know, I was always kind of like, eh, I'll try anything twice. Um, you know, there are certain aspects of things that might be a hard limit. Like don't beat me until I bleed. Right. Or until I'm unconscious. Exactly. But the beating itself is not the hard limit. So, you know, even now it's really hard for me to come up with any, like, you know, this thing, everybody always says scat, like, don't shit on me. That's not sexy. Um, I used to say stuff like spitting in my face probably was a hard limit. Um, But I say all this to say um, a lot. I don't know. I think a lot of people say a hard limit is just something they don't like. I don't like stingy pain. It's not a hard limit. Like, I'm not going to not talk to someone because of stingy pain. It's just not something I enjoy. But things have really changed for me in a dynamic because a lot of it comes goes past what I enjoy to what I will happily endure for my person. 
So the, like, I just think about the pain a lot differently. So, you know, he bought a whip recently. He tried it on me and I kind of liked it. And I had never liked stingy pain before. I went to a kink conference once and this guy was selling whips and he was like, let me try it. I'm a professional. Like I whip thousands of people. I've won whipping competitions. I promise you like it. That man hit me once and I ran to the other side of the conference center. <laughs> I, don't like this. I don't like the feeling. And my friend was cracking up. She was like, yo, where did you go? I was like, that hurt. I don't want it. And then daddy bought a whip and all of a sudden like I'm getting whipped. Um, so yeah, it's tough. I don't really, I mean, you know, like to your point about being unconscious, like don't kill me. Like death play is not my king. Um, but it's easier to talk about things I don't particularly like than hard limits. Cause to me, a hard limit means this happens and everything shuts down. Right. And because of the way we've developed our relationship, there's not a lot of things that are going to shut everything down. So would you say then it's more about compromise and discussion than actually setting a hard limit and saying like, no, I'm I'm not doing this. Even, even in terms of scat play, let's say it, mm-hmm. if for one re for one reason or another, you know, he came home one day and said, I really want to try this. Even if you knew within your heart, you're like, nah, I'm good on that. Yeah. You know, I'll be honest. Like I can make it work. It would be like, okay, okay you can poop on my foot in the bathtub. <laughs> okay. It's Sorry. like, let's figure it out, you know? <laughs> oh my god it's like he's not gonna ask me that you know so right it, but <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry if that opened any sort of door i really apologize oh god you hear me six months from now like she a chat on my back it's all your fault <laughs> i that's what i'm saying i'm taking all disclaimers off i apologize from now if anything switches or there's something new that comes up where you're like you know we weren't talking about this before but now yeah i apologize in advance i'm just gonna be i heard you don't have any limits huh all right <laughs> um but yeah it really is about compromise and discussion like because for example with the whip thing the reason he bought a whip is because we went to an event and I tried, someone taught me whipping and I was like, daddy, this was fun. You might like it because kind of like target practice. You're trying to hit this spot. And he was like, oh, okay, maybe. So he ends up buying a whip. So he bought a whip. Now he needs somebody to whip. I don't right. like stingy, but I'm like, all right, I'll sit through it. And I think the first time we did it, like I had jeans on. So it was like, okay, this isn't to hurt you. This is really just for the sake of practice. But then we, you know, we communicate and we compromise through that. And then all of a sudden, like I'm a whipping bottom now. Who would have thought? Um, so it's definitely, definitely, definitely all about like compromise and conversation. Okay. So you had mentioned that you were a masochist. How did you determine this about yourself? Oh man. It took me like four years to admit that I was a masochist. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. I just, I just, it was with, um, Black and Brown that we finally had that conversation. What? I was like, okay, I'm actually not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the thing is I enjoyed pain play impact play specifically i enjoyed <laughs> impact play but in my head masochists were like those crazy people that actually are like kill me mm, or right. you know the people who are like they love showing off pictures of all the cuts and scrapes and bruises and i was like i don't want to bleed like i don't like that much pain right so in my head it was definitely like the amount of pain was indicative of whether or not you're a masochist and i was like i'm you know i'm pretty low on the scale i just like a, a light a light tap you know, <laughs> right. I want to feel it now, but I don't necessarily want to feel it two weeks from now. Right. Keep all my bones intact. Um, but I've always enjoyed some sort of pain or another. Like I did karate when I was a kid, and I kind of like getting kicked. Um, Who says that? Good. Who says that? <laughs> I, I, you're the only person I've ever said that they enjoy getting kicked. Who says that? say that not like i mean not kicked in the face like, no no i know i know what you mean like the pain was a good sensation almost yeah right yeah kicked in the arm it's like oh like ow but like i like that right um, <laughs> I'm, oh my gosh ellis i'm so sorry <laughs> this is like my life you know what i'm saying walking down the street he's like oh getting hit by a car okay cool what's that um so i always knew i liked it I mean, it was it was really trial and error. Like, I went to a play party. A friend of mine was like, do you want to try getting flogged? And I was like, no. And he's like, you sure? And I said, all right, fine. I liked it. Then I did a little bit more, and I kept liking it. Um, and then it just it became an easy and safe way for me to play in kink and not get into any other mess. Right. Like, you know, some people, this is said with zero shade. Like, <laughs> no, honestly and truly, like, some people, their kink is sucking dick. And that can get you in a lot of mess. Like, you suck the wrong dick. You right. suck dude's dick and he thinks you're in love or he falls in love or you suck some somebody's, 
boyfriend's dick and she now hates you and and right. I mean, really like some people have very sexual kinks so for me i was like look i don't want any of that like just beat me and let me go home there's <laughs> no you know nothing else um outside of that so it was just an easy and safe way for me to play in the community okay and bs i know that you said you're more of a pacifist but if you had to be on the side of being either more of a sadist or a masochist which side are you on I'm a sadist with masochistic tendencies. Like, there's some things I do like the bottom for, but I like to see the reaction of, like, the torture. It doesn't have to be, like, torture, torture. Like, I don't have to hit you with a sledgehammer, although I might hit you with a sledgehammer. But <laughs> what? Like, oh, yeah. Did you say sledgehammer? Yes. I heard that right, right? Yes, yes, he did. Yes. Okay. I, um, all right. <laughs> I want to ask, but I don't know that I want to know the answer to that one. <laughs> um, okay. So can, can you give us a... a, a a comfortable exa- so an example that's comfortable for you of what you would enjoy, would enjoy on the on the end of being um sorry and uh, you said to, to being a bottom yeah so from the bottom perspective um right. pressure definitely um bondage I love the bottom for um mm-hmm. wax fire electricity like sensation things and not necessarily like impact things okay. work like, better for me okay. Um, does, do, do your family members and your friends know about your lifestyle choices? My friends, yes. Family members, no. Okay. And how do your, how do your friends feel about you being in this lifestyle? It's cool. It's like, oh, you're out doing the thing. All right. We have a lot of like lifestyle friends now. Okay. Yeah. Have you lost any friends that were, that are not in the lifestyle and maybe don't quite understand it because of their judgments about it? No, I want to tell those friends. I would just, it's really like my close friends who like are not judgmental, like they know, but somebody's a little sketchy or whatever, or like judgmental around sex behavior in general, like I just don't talk. Okay. And Ellis, are, are there people in your family and, and friends that you have that are aware of your lifestyle choices? Yeah, my close circle of friends definitely know, and they both support it and are irritated with it. My best friend is like, you go in another dungeon again? Like, what are we <laughs> One of my good friends has come with me to probably two or three dungeon parties. Um, it's not his thing, but he respects it and has, like, seen it. Um, yeah, it kind of, like, like Daddy said, you kind of know your people. Like, one of my best friends, who I absolutely love, and I know she loves me, I would never. She had her first kiss on her wedding day. I'm sorry? So, yes, that's what I said. And oh. her husband also had his first kiss on his wedding day. Oh, they, that's... Yeah. It was adorable. They yes. met church. They are the loveliest people. I love them to death and beyond, but there's just no point in discussing right aspect of my life. Because it's also just like... They would bring their Bibles to church. Sorry, they'd bring their Bibles to the dungeon and yeah, try to haul it, you out of there. It's just like, you know, even in college, we were friends in college, like, you know, I would go on a date and she would go to Bible study. So, like, even in college, I wasn't telling her about my vanilla sex life then. So why would I be telling her about my BDSM sex life now? And that's kind of the same thing with my family. Like, we don't talk about sex. So to now be like, well, let me not only talk about sex, but let me tell you that my boyfriend actually, like, drags me around on a collar while I'm naked and... <laughs> Um, you know, it's just not a necessary conversation. There are probably people in my family that if I told them, they'd be like, they'd be fine with it and maybe a little interested in why are you interested in this thing? Like, I definitely feel like I feel even my mom, I could very easily explain to her why I like pain. Like, I don't think that is something she would have much of an issue with, but it's just not uh, an aspect of our relationship. So there's no need to let it out. When you go to dungeon parties and play parties, do you only engage with each other do you engage with other people how do you feel about polyamory relationships polyamorous relationships you have all the questions good question thanks um, <laughs> <laughs> so two different questions at dungeon parties we definitely play with other people um i would say him a little bit more than me for various reasons one there's really just a dearth of skilled trusted tops in the community yes so you know and i mean that's something i experienced when i was a single submissive as well like i would just kind of hope that like my one friend who i knew was good with floggers and was like a normal person would be there because otherwise i wouldn't play so definitely there are a lot more bottoms that you know are wanting to play with him also it's just easier to top five people than it is to bottom for five scenes in a night i can't bottom for five scenes in a night um and then the fun thing is we have started co-topping people together 
Um, oh, explain, yeah. explain, explain, explain. So for our listeners know what co-topping is. Well, topping is when you're doing the, you know, whatever the action is in the scene. So we do it together um, and it depends and we negotiate different scenes. We have a friend of ours who's super cool and we'll play like kinky games with her. We played one the other day where we both had a die and we rolled the die and whoever got the highest number got to hit her according to the number on the die with like oh. different implements. So, you know, it's like, oh, I got to punch her six times and then he flogs her eight times. And then like, I got to use one of my cane things on her nine times. It was just a game and it was fun, but we're both, you know, the tops. Yes. Or we have another friend who, we've done a, we've done a couple of really fun co The table, it <laughs> was fun, yeah. We had a friend, she was like on her knees as a table and we oh. played a card game on her back. So that, like, that cake is called human furniture. Like, some people like to be treated like a piece of furniture. Yes. And so she was our card table, and we played a card game on her back, and it was, like, blackjack. So whoever won the round got to hit her. Um, but we also got to play blackjack, which was fun. Um, or sometimes we just do, like, a regular impact scene. Um, but we get to very much, like, feed off each other. Like, he'll hit the left cheek, I'll hit the right cheek. He'll get the front. I'll get the back. <laughs> it's teamwork. It's teamwork. It's, it's teamwork. so yeah. much fun. I, I mean, that's like, dancing, really. Like, we yeah. play off each other's energy and, like, yeah. we know where each other is going and yeah. who is where and just, like, we're playing with each other, but, like, we're not hitting each other. I'm not hitting you. Yeah. That was actually beautifully the way, beautiful the way that you termed it. You said it's like dancing. It really is. That's it really is, nice. Yeah. That's nice. I like that. Yeah, there was one time we were doing it to the beat of the music in the dungeon. It was so much fun. <laughs> Okay. And then in terms of polyamory, yeah, is is that something that's incorporated in your relationship? Is that like a definite no? We're definitely poly. We entered this poly like we met um dating with other partners and then just transitioned to us. Um, we spent a chunk of time monogamous just to focus on like establishing the framework and the groundwork for our relationship. But we're thinking and talking about and we're working on opening it back up and it's something that we are working through. But it's definitely like a process. Excellent. Um, so if there were people out there right now that were interested in getting more involved in the lifestyle, can you suggest um websites or uh venues or conferences or events that they should check out? Um Bad Life for one. Definitely FetLife. Uh, FetLife. So that's F-E-T-L-I-F-E? Yes. yes. Okay. com. Yeah, it's a social network um, dedicated to kinky stuff. And through there, it you know, you can find events. You can find um, resources. There are tons of groups. It You know, it like as a website, it can be the functionality can be a little frustrating. But it is really and truly the biggest um, like database for kinky material on the internet and you can find other stuff from there. Like there are some really, um, some really good conferences and stuff, a, a handful, a solid handful for people of color, but some that aren't, um, there's this huge conference in Vegas that I went to a couple years ago called sin in the city, um, which was just a ton of classes, super educational. And then there are also, you know, POC based events, but I think you want to start, you should definitely start with research. I think, yeah. um, you can try keepingitkinky.net or submissiveguide.com or dominantguide.com. I think those are good places to start. And then read, 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 read. And then think about, like, do you want to go to an event? If you want to go to an event, a munch is probably a great place to start. Munches are at restaurants or bars, and it's just chit-chat, and you'll find friendly people that'll be like, what are you into? What's your king? What brought you into the lifestyle? Um, and that's a really low stakes way to do it. I wouldn't go to like a dungeon party my first day in. Um, right. You know, there's no rush to do that. It's definitely better to just meet people and read. Definitely. So we met in a group chat like for like POC people who want to go events in our area. Mm-hmm. And that's how we met. So like that was definitely a good resource for me. Um, much as like you said, I met. Like, one of her good friends, like, at my first munch, and that let me know that, like, oh, there, there's people that look like me at, like, in this community, and I can go out and not feel like a token person or, like, just not a part, a part, of, the, a part of the community, so. 
So like for me, I have quite a few friends that are in the lifestyle. I myself am not entrenched in it. Um, it's always been a curiosity to me. I've always been open um, to it. There are kinks that I enjoy, you know, with having a partner or not having a partner. Um, but one thing I always found really curious, I always like in growing up and, and becoming more aware of myself and more aware of my sexuality and my needs and, and that kind of thing. Um, I always thought that a kink lifestyle was something that was more specific to white people. And it made me feel for a period of time like there was something wrong with me because being a black woman, that that's, that's just not normal. And I never considered myself to really be normal for whatever normal is. And, and it was whatever. But um, it's it makes me happy to know that there are more people of color out there who are exploring their sexuality, who are exploring their sexual needs, who are exploring their kinks, who are exploring, just exploring on a whole for, for both of you. Do you, do you find now that there are more people coming out of the woodworks or more people coming out, so to speak, and, and more comfortable with um, being a part of this particular community than when you first started? For me, for sure. Like, I've seen the POC community grow literally before my eyes. Like, I've seen us go from, you know, one really large community munch to a three-day weekend convention to three different weekend-long conventions that are geared towards, actually it's four now, that are geared towards people of color. Um yeah, I mean, I've just, I have physically seen it grow, you know, it has, and it's been a really quick growth and you know even like there's a network of group chats now that just didn't exist two years ago and they're huge um so you know i think it's i think it's a lot of stuff i think you know society is just becoming more open like you see documentaries about polyamory on viceland and stuff so that encourages more people to google and they end up on fetlife and they end up meeting people so um it's nice i never felt weird for what I was into, I just, to daddy's point, like, didn't know if I would find other people to commune with in that's that. That's what holds people back to not knowing that there's other people like you, I look like you yeah. out there to, like, <laughs> engage with. Because also, you know, the stuff we do could get real dicey if you add race into it. There's not a white man in this world that will ever, <laughs> ever take a whip to my back. Like, right, right. It's <laughs> like, that's just a no. Like, right. So, if I wasn't going to find black people to do this stuff with, I wasn't going to do it. Um, and that's, that would have been fine. But like, like the whole like fetishization of like black men by white yeah. women. It's not really like yes. my thing. So yeah, there's a lot of BBC black bull stuff that, yes. I mean, we even see it happen. We went to a party once and we're like, this is weird. It was a lot of like white women being, being paid attention to by multiple black men. It was, it felt, you know, it felt like a cheesy porn film. Um, <laughs> that's not my kid <laughs> at all. So yeah, it definitely, it, it is great to find community and it's always important to find community. Yeah. I had actually, uh, yesterday just discovered for the first time that race play is mm -hmm. a kink, which mm -hmm. I never heard of before. Like I'm, I'm very aware of, um, you know, a dominant black man, submissive black woman, the whole BBC deal and cuckold. And it's usually like, you know, a black bull that's part of the, that relationship or that dynamic and that kind of thing. But actual race play as a kink, I never heard of until yesterday. And I, I'm still kind of working through how I feel about it, but I don't know that I could even be in an environment where I'm, you know, hearing, for example, you know, a white man saying to a woman, come here, you black whore, or, you know, or a, a woman of another ethnicity saying to a, a black man, get down on your knees and, and eat my pussy nigger or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Or come, let me beat you nigger or you don't you, you understand what I'm saying, right? Oh, like you asked about Harlem's of it earlier. That's yes, hard. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's an absolute hard limit. I don't particularly play with white people, so like incorporating race playing into it too, like no, like nah, it's not gonna happen. Right. Not from either side, from top or bottom, like Yeah, no. I mean, you know, like this is my fun place and my escape from the real world where I have to deal with white people all the time. So I'm not coming here for a white person to call me a nigger no 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 because then i'd kill them and i get kicked out of the dungeon and then i can't have any more fun so walk around with a 10 pound hammer like, what's your nigger? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right okay well um that is it for my barrage of questions i don't know if there's anything that you would like to share with us before we go 
Um, I, if anyone is listening to this that is new, just be safe and do a lot of research and really, really take the time to understand yourself before you do this because it it is really fun. It is really rewarding. I'm so glad I found this. But there are risks involved in engaging in this lifestyle, both physical, emotional, and mental. And um, I just, you know, I caution people to to just, you know, be aware. I think a lot of people come to the lifestyle thinking it's going to solve their problems, and it will not. It often will exacerbate yeah. a lot of the problems we that you about, have. Like, dating in the lifestyle, like dating on hard mode, like all the vanilla issues on top of like you're in a smaller community that's like visible. So, like, if you're dating in Manila, maybe nobody knows who you're dating or, like, everybody isn't watching your relationship. But within this community, if you're out, then, Everyone's like, watching. Everybody's mm-hmm. watching. Everybody's, like, everybody knows everybody because mm-hmm. there's only so many of us. Yeah, and I think, you know, like, vulnerable moment. Part of the reason I was interested in doms was probably from, like, reading erotica when I was a kid. And there, these doms are these perfect people who, like, call you at seven in the morning to wake you up and ask you, you know, what you had for lunch. And, you know, you come home and the scene is let up, is set out perfectly. And they just, they're these perfect people. And I think a I lot of like people. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Right. I feel like what I just said was really just modeling off of my actual relationship. But, you know, I think, like, there was a fantasy involved. Like, you know, I hate to use the trope because people use it so often, but a lot of people have, like, the Fifty Shades of Grey fantasy. Yes. Whatever. They're like, my love life isn't working, but if I find BDSM and I just find me a dom, everything will be perfect. And on the other side, if I find BDSM and I just find me a submissive woman who's going to do everything I tell her to do, you know, all this other stuff will be easy. And it's not going to be any easier. It can be more rewarding, in my opinion. But, like, we have really had to do a lot of work to get to this place in our relationship. And we're not in a place, perfect place. We're in a really, really, really good place. But I think a lot of people come in you know, wanting the fantasy and then not only wanting the fantasy, which is unfortunate, but then getting super disappointed when the fantasy doesn't happen within six months. Yes. I have people all the time like, Oh my God, how did you find your daddy? He's so perfect. You're so lucky. I'm like, I was single for five years. Like (laughs) just because you met me six months after I got in this relationship and you only know me as someone in a dynamic does not mean that I just like, showed up in the lifestyle and found a perfect dynamic. First of all, it's not perfect. We work at it all the time. But also, like, I was single. You you might enter this lifestyle and not find your perfect person with at your first party or your first munch or whatever. And, like, that's okay, too. Um, and I think, you know, just having, like, just bringing it back to the real world and remembering it is still the real world. It's another aspect of the real world, but it's still not fiction. I think that's pretty important. Okay. And BS, any words of wisdom to impart on us before we go? Um, take your time, and everything isn't for everybody. I think a lot of doms get caught up in like, oh, like I have to be the super heavy top, and like I have to be super stern and super strict, and like you don't have to be that. You can be caring and sensual and kind, and still like lead a relationship. Leadership isn't about like being super bossy and like screaming and yelling, and you're gonna get hit. You're gonna get paddled fifty times because you didn't fold my shirt a certain way, like. <laughs> right. All this should be like a picture of your personality. Don't change your personality for the lifestyle. Be you. Like you'll be accepted more. Right. Um. I think for me, if I if there's anything that I've taken away from you know this this conversation with the two of you, which I am entirely appreciative of, and the conversation that I had with um yesterday is that it's 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 a relationship. Yeah. When when you break it down in in its simplest form. It is a relationship and it is a love bond like any other relationship. You just have a kink dynamic to it. And I think that that's something that people forget. Like they're, they're, they think that it's just, again, one side is all give and one side is all take and it, and it really isn't that there's still a relationship at the core of it that needs to be developed. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be worked on the same way, you know, um, like LS, your, your, your church friends, their relationship has to be worked on. You know, they just have a different way of doing it because they're in the church. They work on it through that, through that regard. Um, but it's, it's no different than, than any other loving, committed relationship. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes love. It takes communication. It takes all the other components that any other relationship takes to make. And people need to be mindful and remember that. We did it, what, six months before we even entered a diamond. Nice. Okay. 
Well, that is it for this episode of Love, Lesson, Badass Soul. BF, LS, thank you both so very much for letting us into your life and giving us a glimpse of your relationship and the inner workings thereof. Um, I appreciate your openness and your honesty and being candid with our listeners. And um, thank you. Thank you very much for having us. This was fun. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been another great episode of Love Less Than Badass Soul. Again, I want to thank our special guests, BS and Ellis, for joining us this evening, for joining me this evening. And CJ will be back next week on our record. So for those of you who missed his sexy, wonderful voice, um, he will definitely be back. But you can catch uh, this episode and all of our episodes on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Google Play. Um, you can find us on our social media platforms of Love, Lust, and Badass Soul, both on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us any questions, concerns, thoughts, feedback, um, you know, topics, ideas. Our email address is lovelustandbas, all one word, at yahoo.com. You can also send us a voicemail uh, to the Breaks Media line at 614 614- Five four seven two zero three nine. You can find me personally on Instagram at that sorry at badass underscore Jones underscore. I'm also on Twitter at that Jones kid AJ one. And you can find my co-host the red bearded assassin on all social media platforms at CEO that's C E O Hayes H A I Z E all one word. Thanks for listening. La, 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 la. to call it oh cause I be doing my own thing yeah, yeah. And she don't know what to call it oh no no cause I be playing the mind games telling you I need you is mine knowing that deep down inside you can never handle this life but darling my intentions are right Cause once you're in my arms, I'm thinking I'm invincible. I love you, girl. Ooh. Seven in the morning, twelve in the evening, ten at night. I need you by my side. Yeah, I just wanna please you, never wanna leave you, baby girl. I need you in my life.